We're in a series called Sold Out, S-O-U-L-D, Sold Out, and we're talking about our soul. That's the part of our body that uh, typically we don't put as much emphasis on, you know, as human beings, we focus a lot on our physical, don't we? Make sure that we eat enough or too much. We, you know, sometimes if we're sick or we feel in pain, we certainly take steps to uh, remedy that. We also, um, you know, make sure that we, we stay active. We should, and, and that's all important. And then as Christians, we tend to sometimes even overemphasize our spirit. And it's important that we pray, it's important that we worship, and we do all of these things, but there's this other component in us, because we're tripart beings, right? We have a spirit and a soul and a body called our soul. And we have to make sure that our soul is healthy. And we have to make sure that we are giving due diligence to that area of us, our mind, you know, our intellect, our, our mental capacity, our emotions, um, we're dealing with all of those areas and, and making sure that we're healthy and strong because we do have a spirit and a soul and a body. So, not sure, guys, not working for some reason. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, when we were born again, the Bible is clear that we, our spirit, became perfect. It actually says in Hebrews twelve twenty three that the spirits of righteous men made perfect. The spirits of righteous men made perfect. In Ephesians 4.24, we're told that we are to put on the new self, which was created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's amazing, isn't it? Put on. So, you, you know, you can have a nice coat, a jacket or something, and it actually requires you putting on before it's of any benefit to you, doesn't it? And so Jesus imputed to us his righteousness at the cross. He made it available to us, but and he's saying you need to put it on. There's things you need to put off. Ephesians 4 highlights this, but there's things you need to put on as well. So we have to put on our new self that was created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so that has to do with the renewing of our mind. We talk about how we're not conformed to the world, but we're transformed through the renewing of our mind. And of course, in the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the will of God is clearly outlined here that we would know this God of peace and we would be sanctified through and through so that our whole spirit, soul, and body would be found blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only our spirit, obviously our body is going to be resurrected. We're going to receive a new body. It never gets sick. It never gets old. It never experiences pain. And uh, we'll, that's a great thing we're looking forward to. But our soul, we have to focus on our soul. God wants us to experience wholeness in the area of our soul as well. He wants us to experience what the Bible calls sanctification, that we would be made whole, we would be made complete, that nothing would be missing, nothing would be broken, that everything would be complete. That's what it's all about. That's what it means to really experience salvation. And I, I've said this previously, but I just want to uh, articulate it again. The word salvation, one of the meanings in the New Testament is to be free from the harassment of an enemy. Salvation, soteria, to be free 
from the harassment of an enemy. Wow, that's amazing. Because God hasn't given us what? A spirit of fear, right? Yeah, but he's given us a spirit of what? Power and love and a sound mind. So God wants us to be free. He doesn't want us to be tormented in our minds or in emotions. He wants us to be whole in every way. An unsanctified soul actually will create pain and distress in our lives. And when we have pain in our soul, our innermost being, it's actually a warning sign that something's wrong. Think about that. When you have pain in your body, what does that mean? Something's wrong, right? You've got to treat the not just the symptom, but the cause of that pain. Often we just deal with the symptom, right? You could have a fever, your temperature could be high, and you take some type of medication for that, and it lowers your fever, and you're like, oh, I'm okay now, but actually there's still an infection. And your body has to fight off the infection. And what ends up happening is often we still, we're like that in, when it comes to our soul. You know, we, we mask the pain, but we don't deal with what's causing the pain. But the pain is actually meant to point us to the source. What is causing this? So we can take action, find out the root cause of the matter, and then we can be healed. That's the purpose of it all. Now, I mentioned last week, there's two specific things that actually cause us to experience soul woundedness or pain in our souls. The first one is personal acts of sin, personal acts of sin, things that we do, choices we've made, choices we make, even now in the present, that cause us to experience pain in our lives. And I talked about being complacent, just being apathetic, you know, just being unconcerned about spiritual things, not growing spiritually and how if we just become, you know, so emphasized and so much emphasis on the material things and, and yet we're not seeking after God and we become apathetic, then it's going to create in us pain because there's just a level of, of, of healing, of wholeness that only comes when we're full of the Spirit of God. We could be resistant to God's will. Wow. Are we resistant to God's will? If we're resistant to God's will, that's rebellion. And that causes pain in our body. Selfishness, immorality, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, all of these things. Anxiety, right? All of this causes pain in our lives, in our soul in particular. David committed sin. He had an adulterous affair. And he ended up killing the woman's husband. And we look at that and we think, well, you know, that was a terrible thing. But do you realize the pain that David experienced in his soul as a result of what he did? In Psalm 51, verse 3, which he wrote as a psalm of repentance after what he had done, he cries out, I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. In the New Living Translation, it says, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. So there's a sense in which sin wounds us and it creates in us, you know, a sense of guilt, a sense of shame and, and so on. And this actually haunts us. So we look at what Jesus taught about our innermost being, what Jesus taught. And he said, you know, it's not really the food you eat, because in those days, of course, whether they were to eat, you know, eat kosher or not kosher, 
And they were so concerned about that. And Jesus said, you need to be more concerned about your soul. You need to be concerned because it's not what comes from inside that defiles you. For it's what it is that is, he said, it's not, you know, like what comes from the outside that defiles you. And in fact, he said, it's what comes from the inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and look at this one, foolishness. Wow. Foolishness defiles you. Wow. All these vile things come from in, within. They are what defiles you. What comes from within defiles us. So sin, doing things that we shouldn't do. Guys, if we think like, okay, you know what? I've not been caught. I've not been exposed or it's really not creating any issues in my life. Trust me, it is. You may not see it. You may not recognize it. In fact, you might be just so numb right now that you don't realize it. And it's not until you're actually delivered that you go, oh, my gosh, this peace, this joy. I, I haven't felt this in years. And you're living in this state of discouragement and, and depression and perhaps or anxiety or fear and, and or just the absence of, of God's goodness in your life. And you just become numb to that, desensitized to that. And it becomes almost normal. Jesus said, we need to look at the source of our pain. And I can tell you guys, a lot of people today are focusing on the symptom. Why am I experiencing guilt and anger and anxiety and depression and all of these things? And, and we, we look at, you know, psychology to try to treat that. And the Bible is very clear that a lot of this stuff is the result of sin of being out of fellowship with God. Because here's why. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were created in his glory, Isaiah 43, 7 says. We are created in his image and likeness, Genesis 1, 26 says. So to be created in his glory is to be created in his image and likeness. And how many know that God doesn't sin, that God is perfect, that sin, he cannot look upon sin, there is no sin in him. And so when we allow sin to enter into our lives and we don't, you know, we don't uh, confess it and we don't, we don't repent of it and we don't apply the blood of Jesus Christ to us, then it actually causes us to fall short of the glory of God. And what is the glory of God? It's his goodness. It's his holiness. It's his perfection. It's everything about God that makes him God. And unlike anyone or anything else, we fall short of that. We fall short of his peace, his joy, his holiness, his love, his power, because there's something in us that is sin and it's robbing us from the, the place of fellowship with God. You know, you cannot live in sin and experience the fullness of God's presence and glory in your life. It can't be done. I recognize that, that God is faithful, he's patient, and so on. But ultimately, it affects your soul. Obviously, it affects your fellowship with God. And I believe it's not repented of and you live in sin habitually. It can affect your eternal destiny. Absolutely. But there is something that happens, even in the short term, that affects you in your soul realm. And in terms of how you, how you connect with others, 
how you connect with God. It's in your soul. And so a lot of the stuff that's happening in people's lives today, the pain, need to look at. How am I out of fellowship with God? How am I being disobedient to what he says in his word? Am I living in the flesh and not in the spirit? And am I committing what the Bible calls the acts of the flesh or the works of the flesh? And if we are, that will cause us to experience pain in our lives as a result of sin. The second area is trauma. Trauma. And what we're talking about now is what people have done to us or maybe just the circumstances that we've experienced in life. You know, people gossip about you. Well, that's normal. It's always going to happen. I don't, I'm sure there's not a single person on the on the earth who hasn't had someone gossip about uh, gossip about them or gossiped about someone else in turn. There's a Spanish proverb, by the way, that says that he who gossiped to, to you about others will gossip to others about you. And the truth is, that's the way it works. But the fact is that gossip can be painful, right? I mean, you know, especially if it's a friend, if it's someone you trust in, and you find out they're talking to someone else about you, it can be painful. Now, abuse, that's a real thing in our culture. People have been abused physically, sexually, emotionally. People are abused. They're in relationships, situations. There have been people that have been attacked, literally. Can you, I mean, I've never had that happen in, in the sense of it being a bad thing. I've been jumped on the streets and stuff like that, but I mean, I've never been in a place where, you know, I've been the recipient of a home invasion or something like that. But some people have. That's a terrible thing. A terrible, terrible thing. People have been exploited, taken advantage of. What about neglect, abandonment? Terrible thing. People grow up with that. Then there's the, the things that uh, not necessarily a, a direct result of someone intentionally uh, trying to attack you, hurt you, wound you, but things like a car accident, divorce. By the way, some people are just so dysfunctional, they can't love. They're not able to love, right? And uh, business failure, that can, that can create pain, depression, discouragement, disillusionment even. Family member who's a drug addict, friend, wow. That can be a very difficult thing to overcome. Prolonged health issues, on and on. That can bring you to a place of fatigue, physically and emotionally. Exasperation. It's a terrible, terrible thing. But let's look at the symptoms of a sick soul this morning. The symptoms of a sick soul. In Psalm 51... David writes in verses 6 through 12, he's talking about, he's praying to God, he's confessing his sins, he's repenting, because he realizes he's out of fellowship with his Lord, and he realizes that he needs forgiveness, and he needs restoration with God, because deep down within, he's got some pain. He's got some matters in his life, in his soul in particular, that need sorted out. So he prays, and he says, Psalm 51, 6 through 12, God, you desire truth in the inward parts. You know, this is amazing. God, you desire truth in the inward parts. What does that mean? God, I can't hide from you. God, 
I can't hide from you. You know, we, we had a discussion at our school of ministry this week about, um, you know, is it, is a good, is a big church able to offer pastoral care? And, you know, some of the comments that were made were, well, you know, in a big church, it's easy to hide. And the fact is, guys, I, I recognize that some people mean by that, but the fact is, guys, we can't hide from him. We can't hide from the Lord. Wherever we go, he's there. He's there. He's everywhere. He sees everything that we are doing. And he says, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. In fact, David said against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Because even though people know about the some people and, and, but Lord, ultimately this sin was against you. So then he says, purge me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Then of course, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and then uphold me by your generous spirit. There's at least five areas in which our soul is impacted by sin. Five symptoms of a sick soul that David highlights here in this passage that we've just read. The first area is a sense of defilement, a sense of guilt. Purge me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, is what he says in Psalm 51, 7 and 10a. God, I thank you for, I need cleansing, I need purging. There's a sense of defilement. There's a sense of feeling unclean. You know, this week I had an amazing I was attacked on Facebook. How many have you ever been attacked on Facebook? By, by a, a young man who's a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he attacked me and told me that I was a heretic. I'm a false teacher. And because of the video I preached last week here in this church, the message I preached last week, he watched the video. And, um, I, first of all, I said, who are you? And uh, he's like, you never watch any of my videos? And I said, no, I, I don't watch any of your videos. And he said, well, I'm sorry. He said, sometimes I'm really messed up and I get offended easily. Oh, I said, okay, so this is the person we're, we're dealing with here, a broken, hurting person. And, and a person that is, in, is, is involved in ministry. Come on, nowadays, you don't have to have any credibility, any accountability, you just go on Facebook, create a video, and you'll get people watching you, and they'll begin to follow you. And so as he began, I said to him, first of all, I said, I don't know who you are. I'm not really accountable to you, and I don't know what you're talking about, but blah, 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 you're false, blah, blah, blah. You, you got some of what you're saying is correct, but you know what? You still got some old-time religion in your brother that you need to get out of you. That's what he said to me. And uh, so as I, I, I said to him, um, okay, um, go ahead. Uh, if this is going to help you, if this is going to be therapeutic for your soul, you can dump on me, right? Okay. So uh, I let him go ahead and do it. And essentially it was, 
I am preaching that people need to repent and people need to change and they need to be obedient to God's word. Brother Glenn, don't you realize that when you're born again, you're holy, you're perfect? There's nothing you can do to make yourself any holier or any better. You need to get this right. You're putting people under a guilt trip and you're making them feel condemned like they have to do works. Hmm. So I said to him, oh, I say, you don't understand the word of God. I said, well, I'm not going to argue with you. And this what I did. Man, I got power. I blocked him. <laughs> I blocked messenger. Then I went on and unfriended and hit the block button. All right. Okay. It's called boundaries, guys. I'm not putting up with that. I don't have time for that. I don't need, I don't really, and, and by me responding to him, I'm empowering him. You see, and so I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm accountable to God. There's some people in, that oversee me and I'm accountable to them. Absolutely. But this young guy who has absolutely no relationship with me and certainly does not understand the word of God had no right to speak that into my life. I tried to uh, tell him that, but he wouldn't listen. So block. There's nothing wrong with it. We need to have boundaries in our lives, right? Amen. Part of the healing process, and we'll go through this, is having boundaries. There's a lie saying to certain people, no, you're not getting close. You need to stay away, okay? It's part of, part of the healing process as well, and, start of, and part of maintaining a place of wholeness in our life as well. So here we are. You know, we recognize the Bible says that if we sin, it brings us into a place of disfellowship with God, and it causes pain in our life. And there's a sense of guilt. But according to these hyper-greasy grace preachers, that there shouldn't be any guilt. If you sin, you shouldn't feel guilty. Well, what about Psalm 51? What about... First John 1 7 that says, first uh, John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, not only to forgive us of our sins, but to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. New covenant. I need to confess so I can be forgiven and cleansed. Cleansed. There's a cleansing work that I need to experience in my life that I will appropriate, not just by what the time I was born again, but by confessing my sins. Absolutely. So I'm preaching to the choir. I get it. You guys believe it. I don't need to set this up. But we will go into what true grace is in this series. Also, the second symptom of a sick soul is this. A sense of brokenness. That you're not whole. Something's broken. Something's out of alignment. Something's needs fixed in my life. Something's just not right. David said, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Verse 8. Now he's not talking about his physical bones here. He's using this to say that in his innermost being, in the core of who he is, there's pain. There's a sense of brokenness that he's experiencing. Something isn't right. Something needs fixed. Something needs healed. And it's a result of my sin, David said. Thirdly, 
a separation from God's presence. Separation from God's presence. Now, I know the Bible talks about wherever we go, God is there. I'm low. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age and so on. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We know all these scriptures. But what we're talking about here is the sense of his presence. Because the Bible says in the book of Habakkuk that the earth one day is going to be filled not with the glory of the Lord, but with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. In one translation, it says, with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. So God wants us to be aware of his glory, aware of his presence. And when we sin, there's a sense in which the Holy Spirit is grieved, the Holy Spirit withdraws, and that fellowship with God is put on hold, it's interrupted, and again, it's pointing us back to the cross so that we will confess and we will repent of our sins and we obtain mercy and grace to help us in our time of need so that we can be restored to fellowship with God. And it's only by what Jesus did at the cross that our guilt can be taken care of, that, uh, that what is broken in us can be healed, and that we can also be reconciled and restored to fellowship or into the very presence of God himself. So David cries out, he says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You know, we talk about the Shekinah glory of God. We talk about the manifest presence of the Lord in a sense that this is something we are to be aware of. We're to live in and walk in the presence of God. And a lot of people, unfortunately, are so broken within that they look back. I remember when I was first saved. Remember how God's presence was so real in my life. Where there was a stage when we look back and it was just so strong. And, and then what has happened, guys? I'm not talking about just corporately like in our churches, even though that's changed in, in many places. But we're talking about what has happened to us, right? God hasn't moved. If we don't seem as close to him as we once were, he hasn't moved, so we have to address this area in our life, and we have to recognize that there's something wrong. Maybe I'm just apathetic. Maybe I'm just not spending time with God. Maybe there's something I'm doing that's grieving, hindering the Holy Spirit in my life. This isn't to make anybody feel condemned, but guilt is not condemnation. There's a big difference. And today we hear people preach that guilt is wrong and guilt is not good. And in fact, the Bible talks about guilt. And Paul talked about repeatedly about how he strived to have a, a, a pure conscience before both God and man. So there has to be a place where we recognize, wow, you know what? When we do something wrong, when we speak something that we shouldn't of about a person, if we are a person who's in tune with the Holy Spirit, there should be a check in our spirit. There should be a sense in which we go, oh, and it's like the Holy Spirit saying, mm, not good. Why did you do that? I'm grieved. I'm the dove, you know, is offended. So we, we come to that place and we just immediately go, okay, God, I shouldn't have said that. That was wrong. I shouldn't have thought that thought. I shouldn't have spoken to that person that way, whatever it is. And then we, we ask for forgiveness. We, we repent. We, we do whatever we need to do to, to not only help that person and make things right with the person, but to restore our communion with the Father. So important. So important that we do this. 
And Lord, I want your joy. I want your presence. I want your peace back in my life. I want to experience that. The fourth symptom of a sick soul is instability, an unstable person. David says in Psalm 51, 10b and 12b, renew a steadfast spirit within me and uphold me by your generous spirit. A steadfast spirit. The word that is used here means a spirit that is firm, a, f- a spirit that is strong, is established. Because there's something David is saying about his life right now. He said, I'm unstable. I, I'm, un- I'm unstable. I, I'm vacillating. I'm, I'm not just able to stand all the time. I keep falling. I keep tripping up and, you know, in different ways. And so he's saying, God, there's something in me that's just very, very unstable. And when you look at people who are unstable, they start things and they're not able to finish them. I know sometimes that's personality. Sometimes that's people thinking they're multitasking or whatever. But the truth is, there's so many people in life that start things, but they don't finish it. Why? Because there's something in them that causes them to grow weary. There's something in them that causes them to not be able to persevere. And they're not strong enough. You know, it's like if you were going to run in a 40K marathon, I mean, you just can't say, okay, man, you know, like I, last time I ran, uh, you know, a mile was six years ago. So next Saturday, I'm going to run in a 40K marathon, right? Not going to work. You're going to be throwing up uh, two miles down the road. <laughs> but the truth is, what's going to happen? How do you, you have to prepare, right? And so what we see is, this isn't condemnation, but it's saying that there's a place where you recognize there's something in me that's broken. There's something in me that, and the Bible calls it a a right spirit or a steadfast spirit. Something in you needs to be restored to a place of steadfastness. So God, restore me to that place of steadfastness. God, establish me so I can complete the race. God, I need to up you to uphold me. I need to be able to finish. I need to be able to be consistent. I need to be able to, you know, go the journey, so to speak, God, because I don't want to be a person who, you know, I've heard it and I've seen it so many times as a pastor, you know, people, they, they're backsliding, they're having problems with their walk with God and they, they fall away and, and then they stop coming to church. You know, of course you follow up, you offer them pastoral care, but then they say, oh yeah, 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 I'll come and they don't come or maybe they come once or twice and then they go back and then they still continue in their old ways. And and there's just something in them that is so broken. There's just something in them that needs heals because they're not able to be steadfast. They're not able to be consistent in their walk with God. And so as a result, they're just sidelined. They're, They're not able to finish the course that God has for them. They they're not even able to walk with the Lord on this journey, right? It's a journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And God says, there's something in you. Your sin is causing you to be unstable. Your sin is causing you to not be able to complete what it is I've called you to do. You have good intentions, but you're not following through. And there's something in you. You're either hurting, you're in too much pain, or there's an area of personal sin in your life that is holding you back. 
Fifthly, loss of joy and peace. Loss of joy and peace. David says, make me hear joy and gladness. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. God, joy, joy, peace. I need it back. David knew what it was like to walk in and experience the joy of the Lord. And he said, this ain't it. <laughs> this, this what I'm experiencing right now, that's, that's not what I once had. That's not what you created me to experience. And God, I want you to restore the joy. And uh, Lord, not my sin. You know, what I've done, wow. Too much guilt, too much pain, too much shame. I can't have joy. You need to cleanse me. You need to forgive me. You need to heal me, God, so I can walk and experience the fullness of the joy of my salvation. I will be glad, David said, and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. Psalm 31, 7. God sees the affliction and anguish of our souls. That's the good news this morning, guys. He sees the affliction and the anguish of our souls. God is aware of what it is that we're going through. And the Bible says in Psalm 147.3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Why is it that Jesus not only under, sees what we're going through, is aware of what we're going through, but he can sympathize with us because the Bible tells us that he suffered what we suffer. In the book of Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, it says, Jesus, this great high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most because he knows what it's like. In Psalm 26, 38, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying and the weight of our sins was placed upon him, he said to his disciples, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. My soul is crushed to grief to the point of Death, wow. You know, pain, the crushing of the soul can be so overwhelming, so powerful that people end up taking their lives because that's the only way they can cope with it. Unfortunately, it doesn't get any better because there's a place called hell. But they don't know how to cope. They don't know how to be healed. And they make these things, you know, we look at people, particularly how many comedians are so broken and, and have so much pain in their life. We heard this week that another comedian just killed himself, just took his life. And often it's a, it's a way of, of coping for them, you know. It's a way of self-medicating what they're going through. So I'll make people laugh because when I make people laugh, it makes me feel better. It relieves the pain, but only for a moment, only temporarily. People walk away 
and they're by themselves and they're alone and the pain is still there because they've not allowed God to heal their soul. And many Christians also are in the same place where they're in such pain still. Sometimes we've been in the pain for years. We believed in the gospel. We've made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, so to speak. But this area of our life called our soul has not been offered up to him completely. We've not allowed him, the God of peace, to make us whole through and through so that our whole body, spirit, and soul is entirely sanctified. But guys, Jesus was wounded for our wounds. Jesus felt pain for our pain. In Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. So the world looks at the crucifixion as Jesus historically was a man who was murdered, who was killed, was handed over to the authorities to be executed, and he must have done something wrong. He must have been a criminal. He must have done something wrong. And the Bible says, no, we don't know him after the flesh. We don't judge him that way. We, we have to recognize that the purpose of the crucifixion was that Jesus would identify with our pain and our suffering. He was pierced not only for our pain and our suffering, but for our sin, our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds, not just the physical beating that he went through, but when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, overwhelmed to the point of death. The wounding, the pain that he subjected not only his body, but his soul to, for you, for me. Amazing. Why? That we could be healed. That we could be healed. In Isaiah 53, 4, when it talks about, particularly in the NIV, he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. It literally can be used of sickness, but it can be used of psychological, emotional pain. In fact, the words that are used there mean anything that causes pain, not just sickness, but anything that causes pain. He was wounded for that. He was delivered over that so we could be healed. The gospel Come on now. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it has the it is the power of God unto salvation. For what? Everyone who believes, everyone who pistis is the Greek word, who clings to, who holds fast to, who relies upon, who trusts and doesn't stop clinging, doesn't stop believing, doesn't stop trusting, but keeps relying on him. It's the power of God unto salvation. Salvation, freedom from the harassment of an enemy. Sozo is healing, and it refers to healing 
of the body, healing and deliverance and salvation and being rescued from sin and from sickness and even torment from, from spirits and, and even the psychological affliction and anguish that we experience as human beings. Wow. He was delivered for that. It's an amazing thing. I want to talk to you about wounded lions. Wounded lions. There was a documentary on television a few years ago where this team was following uh, lions in Africa. And one lion had actually been wounded. It had been attacked and was severely wounded. In fact, they weren't sure if the lion would survive. So they monitored this lion closely, and they actually did a few things to try to help the lion heal. They, they gave him some food. They tried to keep predators away from him and so on. And against all odds, even though it didn't, we, they didn't know what the outcome would be, against all odds, this lion did recover. He was fully healed and restored. And they noticed something amazing about this lion after it had been healed. When it was, before it had been wounded, before it had gone through this affliction, when the lion roared, the enemy, the pred its predators would, would stay away from the lion, but it was only about a hundred meter range. But after the lion that was wounded was healed and restored, when he roared, no one would come within 300 meters. And they concluded that a wounded lion is more powerful than a lion that had never known pain. Your woundedness is your weapon. What God is doing in your life right now is trying to heal you and restore you. And the enemy knows that once you're healed and restored, you're going to have more power, more authority. You're going to be more deadly, more of a threat to the enemy than before you were wounded. Why is that? Because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 1.4 that he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to us. So your woundedness is your weapon. Your woundedness, if you will allow God to heal you, will actually make you more powerful, more of a threat to the enemy, and more effective in the kingdom of God if you allow the Lord to heal you. That's a powerful truth. The enemy wants to stop us from being healed. He knows that if we are healed from our woundedness, and God certainly is able to do that completely, he's able to heal us so we don't have the tormenting thoughts, the pain is gone, we can look back and we can just look at it and say, you know what, that happened, but I'm not in bondage to that, I'm free from that, I love those people, I forgive myself for whatever it is, and we can walk forward into freedom. Your woundedness can be your weapon if you will allow God to heal you. Where's Ralph? He's over there, hogging the hell of a good dip for his big game ritual. Oh boy. Hey Ralph, can we get some of that too? Yeah, yeah, soon. Almost done. 
First the carrot, two taps and dip. Then the celery. Ah, yes, now the chips. All dipped in creamy, hell of a good dip. Mmm, delicious. Yes, it worked! Get the dip made with real milk and cream that wins every time. Not just good, hell of a good. Last time when you were at the pump, did you catch yourself thinking, why am I spending all my money on gas? Drive less, save more. Ride Coda. The new transit app makes riding Coda as easy as tap, tap, go. Plus, we'll help you get started with a $4.50 account credit when you download the transit app and set up your Coda account. What are you waiting for? Download the transit app today. Learn more at coda.com slash transit app.